Hey everyone, it's Al. Before we begin our chat with Billy tonight, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Diabolical Coffee. It's devilishly good coffee and diabolically awesome swag. There's a roast for all tastes. You can order whole bean, coarse and standard grind, espresso, and there's even a K-cup option for single cup brewers. And for the duration of season nine of our podcast, you can use the promo code PRODUSTAND for 10% off anything in the store. That's 10% off all coffee and merch. Thank you, Diabolical Coffee and Eric for your support this season. Now, on to our chat with Billy Buttry. That fresh produce stand there. That's a beauty. What do you listen to? My favorite murder podcast. Taggart and Torrance podcast. The produce stand. Ah, uh, fucking sexy. It's Freaky Friday, and that means we are once again out at the produce stand, a podcast paying tribute to the great Canadian show, Letter Kenny. Now, I know what you're thinking. There are many other podcasts about Kenny out there, but this one has a special guest tonight. I'm Al, your host, and joining me in the room, as always, is lovely Tanya. And online, we have Squirrely Matt. Uh, unfortunately, Victor couldn't join us tonight. Something about a day job. It's fucking embarrassing. Uh, and joining us tonight, uh, let's see here. He's a veteran of Canadian film and television production. He's worked on notable films such as The Gate, L- National Lampoon, Senior Trip, and Jigsaw. And uh, But his television work's even more. More impressive with shows like Forever Night, Relic Hunter, Slings and Arrows, The Kink in My Hair, The Listener, and Cracked. But of course, we all know him as the director of photography on both Letter Kenny and the new Shrozy show. Please join me in making some noise for Billy Buttry. Oh my god. I regret nothing. Welcome to the Produce Stand, Billy. Hello, welcome. <laughs> I thank you very much for following the show. It's been it's great that you guys are following along and being fans of the show. Thank oh, you. We love it, man. Well, and we, we love pre- it. We appreciate you being on. I know it's been kind of a long time. We've been talking about this since probably spring. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, but uh, I mean, uh, we get it. Things get in the way, and uh, and the timing has hasn't worked out until now. Um, exactly. So, yeah. So let's. Well, I mean, we're just going to jump right into it. First of all, where are you? Where are you speaking to us from? I'm from. I'm back home in Toronto after finishing filming Shorzy in Sudbury. So I got back home yesterday afternoon and kind of settling back into city life. It's nice to go up without a park on. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the city. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, you mentioned so, you mentioned back back home. Is this home for you? Hometown? Is this where you you grew up? This is where I grew up, and I was actually Toronto, and I was actually born in Toronto General Hospital, which is rare this day and age of someone actually from Toronto born in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, but I'm I, in Toronto, but I definitely wasn't born here. No. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, but then I spent my teenage years on a farm in Orangeville, Ontario. That's where uh, Kiso and I have a similar background because he grew up in Listowel, Ontario. Right. Yeah, so Orangeville. Rural boys, you know. Very cool. How long were you in uh, in uh, Orangeville for? I was in Orangeville probably from grade eight until a couple of years after high school. Oh, so okay. your your formative years. So yeah, your teenage years. Yes. Very nice. Um, so how did you get into the business, like the the film and television business? Well, I was a computer programmer, believe it or not. I oh. finished high school really early. I skipped a grade, so I graduated like seventeen. I didn't want to go to school, so I mm-hmm. went to work at, as a welder. And then at foreman, and then I, then I worked to work at a lumberyard and decided, hey, I'm going to go back to school and became a computer programmer. And then I was starting doing my first job oh. in software for uh, Shaw Cable. Wow. And I got a call because I had a D license to do I want to go to L.A. to film commercials with Derek Van Lind, who shot the original Alien. 
to drive a truck there. Wow. So off I went like 37, 38 years ago and uh, to drive a truck and I never left the business. I said, what do you, he said, what do you do when you go back? I said, I don't know. I guess I've been a programming job. Well, why don't you try the film business for a year or two? Wow. So still am. So, so you could drive truck and that turned into your, your career in television and, and, and exactly, which is funny, right? Amazing. Yeah. That's <laughs> amazing. You fell into it. It just stuck. I, totally eh? fell into it. I had no ambition to get into the business, but was, uh, it, was it, was it like a, like a high, like you just like, this is fun. And I, I now I got to keep going. Yeah. It's, it's kind of one of the few jobs you can be creative. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to describe that, but I did lighting for a long time. You probably saw my IMDb. I gaffed a lot of movies, like 23 yeah. movies and 200 episodes of television. Yeah, but just being creative is uh, is, is a fun gig. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you work when you feel like it. If you don't want to do a gig, you just don't accept the gig. So you, yeah. you're freelance, but once you get in demand, you're freelance as much as you want to be. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, you're, you're as busy as you want to be, and, and you can take a break when you need to. Exactly. And you are one busy guy. So let, let's talk about this. So, I mean, the first uh, credit in your IMDb profile is a movie called The Gate back in 87. Yes. And uh, it says here you were a gaffer. So first of all, explain to me and Tanya, I think uh, Matt knows, what, what is a gaffer? What does a gaffer do? A gaffer is like the chief lighting technician. Mm-hmm. You're the liaison with the director of photography. And when you do movies, especially like I was doing second year on the gate, which was my first, you know, it's a big movie, actually maybe the Alliance a lot of, yeah. not a double. I did gate two also, but I worked in a visual effects unit with a little force perspective with little minions and stuff running <laughs> around. But I, I but Gafford generally organizes the lighting crew. You, you're basically the, the chief lighting contract. You tell how many guys you need, the gear you need, and, and you, you work within their budget and get what they need. Right. And you make sure it happens on time that they get their schedule. And that was your first gig in in, in uh, film. Yeah, well, my first gig in film actually was commercials. Mm-hmm. Okay, commercials. But then I split commercials and went in. And then my first, as soon as I joined the union, I was put on the movie The Gate as an electric. Right. And was that shot in Toronto? Um, it was shot in Toronto at Kleinberg Studios, which is just north oh, of Toronto. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I drive by there a lot. Yeah, so it's a nice. Pl- I didn't, I thought those. I didn't think those studios were that old. Like, I, if they seem new. Oh, they're really old. They yeah. were built in like the fifties, I think, really? originally. Okay. They're really old. A lot of like the fly shot there. Um, oh yeah. A lot of movies there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, didn't know that. Okay. So uh, after your first film, now there's, as soon as I saw this show, I'm like, I remember this. And and I might've been a little, a little too young to watch it, but Forever Night. Uh, yes. This is like a vampire cop in Toronto. And I remember this show <laughs> very, very well. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a fun show to lay because the director of photography and I made a pack going in. If, if this is about a vampire cop. Yeah. Well, it's like a comic book. So let's make the colors like, Yellows are really yellow. Blues are really blue. Like in the Raven Bar, there's no white light. Let's mm. just be out there. Let's be a little past what everybody else is doing right now. And we've actually won the best cinematography award that first season. Really? Wow. Nice. That was the deal. Like, just don't do anything conventional. Like, double blue backlights. Like, just do everything more comic booky. Yeah. You know? Like, and, no. and for then, for that time, it was a bit of a departure. You didn't see a lot of that. I mean, you saw cop procedurals, but you never saw <laughs> the whole like uh, supernatural element of, of vampire. No, no, yeah. totally. Yeah, I did. I did Night Heat. You know, CBS cop show from in Canada. Like it was yeah. all straight up cops up though. It's a vampire cop. We just tried to 
take for a twist. I remember one person saying to me, we're talking about a script line and they were like, well, that doesn't make sense. He wouldn't do this. I said, the show is about a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Say no more. (laughs) He's 800 years old and he's a cop in Toronto. Now refresh my memory. Cause again, I was kind of young. Was that Toronto playing Toronto or is that Toronto pretending to be Toronto playing Toronto? One of the first times we actually did that. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, He's a real cool guy. The whole cast was really great. mm -hmm. Well, we like it when, when that happens. I mean, especially like, I know a lot of Kenny doesn't, exists but at least it's canada playing uh canada yeah, yeah. exactly and all, of us, and all of us canadians definitely know whenever time every time it's new york, new york but it's toronto or something yeah. we're like we know all those places yeah yeah you, you've been through all of them yeah. I, I mean they show me a location survey for an american movie like okay i, I filmed there i filmed there i filmed there i filmed yeah. there yeah. You know. yeah, I live down the street from that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I know where we parked to Jenny. I know, I know how it all works. You know. Well, my my favorite story. I mean, I used to work downtown, like at King and, and University, and right across the street is the Roy Thompson Hall, and yes. I, I I love telling people that that's the base of the tower in the Boys. The of the I forget what the tower yeah. is called, but that. And then when I show them the art, like because they with computers they add, you know. 60 stories oh, yeah. on top of it, but the ba- base of that is Roy Thompson yeah. Hall. Exactly. Yeah. We do that a lot is add tops to buildings or yeah. add buildings behind fences. You know, I yeah. live at Young and Bloor in Toronto, so yep. I'm like a downtown boy. Oh, you're right down though. Yeah, like, you're I'm right there. 30th floor, Young and Bloor. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You're near Victor's gym. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Uh, National Lampoon Senior Trip. I mean, uh, that that's a pretty good franchise to be involved with. And that and, one got me excited when I was going through like, that's Matt for, that's even a young um, yeah. Jeremy Renner at the time. Young Jeremy Renner. Yeah. That was what, that was such like, when I was younger, that was one of my favorite movies for a while. There, I think I watched That's it on funny. repeat. Um, so when I saw that in your in your credits, I went nuts. Yeah, we shot a bunch of Tron. We actually did go to DC to shoot the stuff on the balcony and some yeah. things there. Were, it, it was pretty fun. Tom yeah. and Chong playing the bus driver. Oh, what a yeah. trip he was! Oh, I'm sure. I'm, oh. I mean, in your like in your role uh, as a gaffer back then in the on the crew, how how much access would it depend? I guess on on whatever project you're working on, but how much access do you have to the the actors? Like total access. Yeah. The, the, the gaffer is what I call the 10 foot circle within the 10 foot circle, which is your director, your director of photography, your gaffer, your key grip, and, and, you know, and, and the camera operators, you know, they're basically the 10 foot circle that run the set. The other 80 people are outside servicing. Right. The set. You, you are, you are face to face with the actors as a gaffer or as a camera operator, especially because you have to get confidence with them that they're trusting you, that you're not going to shoot them. If they don't look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so on that thought though, like uh, in early on in your career, are there any moments that really stood out as like, Holy shit, this is where I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is happening. How cool is this? Like, yeah, I, I guess I, I gaffed a movie with, uh, with Walter Matthau was in it and Harry Morgan and Stephanie Zimbalist. And the director was Ernest Day who, won an award for, oh, he'd been nominated for Passage to India in cinematography. But he also, I think he operated Dr. Chicago, Clockwork Orange. Uh, wow. You know, like serious movies. And the director whose name was Delbert Mann, who won an Oscar for a movie called Marty with Ernest Borgnine, I think 1959 or something. So it was all these old guys. And I was in my 30s and I was like the gaffer in Toronto. Yeah. So it was like, it was pretty cool, you know, and and, and stuff like that, you know, that's easy to look back and say, like, wow, what a nice shoot that was. Were, were, was you a, were you a student of film or did that come from just working around it? Because you, you knowing th- these directors and, and, and uh, actors, uh, did, did you already know them or is this something you picked up as you were working? Oh, oh I knew them from seeing their work, but I wasn't mm-hmm. really a filmmaker. I learned filmmaking because it was my job. Sure. It's kind of a black ass word. It wasn't my passion, but yeah. it became kind of my passion lighting and, you know, 
making yeah, making of the product is nice. The commercials drive me nuts. Right. Like I don't do them anymore because yeah. it's like, oh my God, we're selling tampons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it, it doesn't look like you need the work. It looks like you're you're, you're keeping pretty well, busy yeah, doing the fun stuff now. Busy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some other uh, movies here that I, I didn't watch, but just some of the cast kind of piqued my interest. Like, for example, L- Losing Chase in 96, uh, Helen Mirren, Bo Bridges. Helen is a sweetheart. Yeah. I've, I've worked with Helen twice now. I work with her on a movie. I did some daily just lighting helping a buddy on red too but right. oh you were on red oh. i loved red <laughs> uh yeah helen mirror was after dream actually kevin bacon actually directed that movie yeah it was his first directing job he was a really cool guy we just sat and talked kids all the time so what i'm hearing billy is that now that we've interviewed you we're only two degrees from kevin bacon now <laughs> <That's right. laughs> thank you for that that's amazing was in it Kira, Kira was in it too. yeah kira sedgwick i was going to mention her too so that's that's yeah. an impressive cast there and it's great to, to hear that helen mirren was was a a nice person because she's amazing in in her movies she's amazing <laughs> absolute dream I, yeah. I went to the rap party and i choose to my wife sitting at the bar i said oh this is helen and she's to just talk to my wife who's doesn't really talk to a lot of people. She just yeah. kind of socially distancing before it became popular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> before it became popular. <laughs> so, so I introduced you to Helen and they just talked for like an hour and she, she realized at the end it was Helen. But that's Helen Mirren. I said, yeah, I introduced you. She goes, Oh my God, I didn't even realize. <laughs> Helen Mirren, that's awesome. that's well, it probably took some of the pressure off of the mm-hmm. conversation. Oh, totally. <laughs> Helen didn't know it. You know, didn't, she was someone to talk to. wasn't asking her about the film business, right? That's amazing. That's Is your wife in, in the business as well? Yeah, she's an assistant costumer designer. Nice. Okay. I met her on 90, 1986. Oh, wow. There you go. Very right. cool. Yeah. Met your wife on Night Heat. Amazing. Uh, let's see here. Another movie that, that st- stood up just for the actors in A Gang in Blue in 96, yeah. Mario Van Peebles and Josh Brolin. That's uh, That must have been something. Yeah. They were both really young. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, Van yeah. Peebles seemed to be in everything back then. And, and Brolin. Was, was, and actually his son is in is in that Saw movie I did. Oh, yeah. And he, saw, and he came to set and he saw me and he goes, oh, my God, I can't believe you're still <laughs> oh really? <laughs> That's amazing. And Josh Brolin, that would have been, I mean, a few almost ten years post uh, Goonies, but still, uh, yeah, he's he's, he's a big, pretty young. Yeah, yeah, he was he was a fairly young man. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then one probably your biggest TV show to date at that point would have been Relic Hunter. Am I right? Probably, I guess, yeah. So I did that for a couple of years. Tell the truth. I got all the period cheeses. You know, when they discovered the relic, I'd film. That's all my work. Oh, it. cool. And uh, shot all the second unit. And then I do B I do B camera operator or two on main unit. But mm-hmm. my main gig was uh, was GOPing second unit. All right. Tell the truth. Tia Carrera in person. Is she stunning? She's sweet. Oh, she's stunning. Stunning. <laughs> sweetheart. Like, Absolutely sweetheart. And her mother's really nice, too. Oh, was her mom on set a lot? So she would come visit and stay in Toronto for a few weeks and, and hang around the set. And- oh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so when you get a lot of these actors coming up from Hollywood uh, and, and staying in Toronto and stuff, like, are they are they happy to be up here? Or do they wish that they could be doing this in California or in New York or, or whatever? I don't know, mm. to be honest. I mean, I think they like the hospitality and the anonymity of working in Toronto because they go places, but they can't go in New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and. But but the, I never see that because I'm I'm in that ten foot circle on set. So when they mm-hmm. are always on their best behavior when they come to me, right? They're they're working. They're pros. Yeah. Them or shooting them, or you know, or both. Or, so 
I, I never really hear the behind the scenes gossip. I mean, more my wife does being in costumes, even in the trailers and shit. You see, you hear things. Right. I wouldn't realize, well, you're not you, you yeah. know, you're playing a character. Yeah. So. <laughs> Very nice. and, and in terms of location, I mean, it sounds like your career, if I understood it, started doing commercials in LA, but like how much of it was sort of split between here in Canada, um, LA, Most maybe other places. Mostly Canada. And do you prefer mostly, that? Yeah. Mostly Toronto, you know, pretty yeah. much. Or, or, you know, in Ontario, pretty much. I've never filmed out East, which is rare. Like, I'm <laughs> one of the anomalies in the film business. But I hear I would love it, but I haven't been out there. Wow. Yeah, you should. It's amazing. Yeah. And what about BC, though? There's a lot of filming in BC. Do you go out there a lot? No, they, I don't, because they have a local, uh, I actually local out there with their own camera department. Oh, yeah? Okay. They service basically Eastern Canada. Mm-hmm. And they since recently started a Quebec uh, branch, but I actually six, six, seven, the international system cinematography services, Eastern Canada, or there you can go, you know, and get hired to go somewhere else. But oh, I see. So kind of the union kind of controls that or not controls it, but kind of sets our rates and things yeah. with the, and then you can charge over scale if you're right. Capable of it. If you're a good guy, <laughs> <laughs> you uh, did a show called slings and arrows and that featured, uh, you know, everyone's favorite Mountie Paul gross and Mark McKinney. How was that? That was great. That was, that was a dream. I did that for a couple seasons and uh, it, it was a fun show. It was very well written. Yeah. Very well written and, and great actors. So it was a lot of fun to work on, you know, no guns, no bang ups and no, you know, the odd sword fight, but that was about it. <laughs> sword fight. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. What about the, the, the kink in my hair? We're going to skip forward a little bit. You were uh, yeah. no longer a gaffer. And I we'll talk about that going from gaffer to camera operator. Like what, um, what did you have to do? Like, uh, did- well, well, my first gig, I was working for John Wu. I was doing a show called Once a Thief, and I was the, the main unit gaffer. And then, probably through the year, they said you should be shooting, and they made me the second unit DP, so I shot all the stunts. Wow! And then, I because I was there, I said, "Well, let me operate too." Mm-hmm. And so I kind of started operating as after director of photography, and then I did like um, Power Play, which is a hockey show as yeah, an operator. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Photography, and so I just been doing like a lot of second units, like the things that aren't listed on my IMDb, like Hannibal season one. I did season one, second unit. I shot all the what? all the gut making and shit. Why isn't this on your IMDb? This is, I mean, I, I don't, I don't put stuff on my IMDb. <laughs> they do, <laughs> they do. <laughs> and I knew there had to be some gaps in there. Yeah, you know, like you've been, and we'll get to it more in a minute. But I know you've been much more involved in Letter Kenny than what IMDb. I think it only says like nine episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been there since day one. I was the yeah. operator since I, day one. I met you know Jared Kiesel and Jacob Turney. Day one, walked in. Hi, I'm Billy. I'm your camera operator, and uh, and I started shooting. And it's like I said to Jacob, you and I think a lot alike. Like don't don't overstate the obvious. Like it's like like let's be different than everybody else. You know, uh, and right. we shoot it with guts. We edit it as he shoots it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what do you we never use? We don't shoot. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I know everyone wants us to get to Letterkenny, so I'm going to just fast forward through this because there's like a, a Murdoch, Murdoch Mysteries episode that you you, uh, you worked on that I know a bunch of our listeners are. It's funny. We've got a lot of American listeners who, for some reason, have Canadian fever and they watch these shows that, you know, most Canadians don't even watch. And, and Murdoch Mysteries is a big one. Uh, the Listener was another one. And that one there featured uh, Melanie Scrofano from who plays uh, uh, yeah. Mrs. McMurray. And also yeah. my uh, Milan uh, Din uh, Robic, I guess, from 19.2. Tara Spencer Nairn from Corner Gas. And Ennis Esmer from Private Eyes. And talk about, like, Toronto playing Ennis Toronto. Ennis Esmer is also from The Listener. Oh, yeah, he's too. from The Listener, too. Well, but, yeah. Uh, 
Private Eye is not, I mean, you, uh, you never worked on that one, did you? Uh, Private no, Eye? I don't, no, I don't think so. No, no. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> anyway, talk about a show that like where Toronto's playing Toronto. I I really love how it's shot. Like the, the, the shots of the city on Private Eyes are, are gorgeous. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, for sure. Um, and let's see. Uh, yeah, so that's it. No, let's get, oh, bef- last summer when we yes. were talking about having you on, you just finished shooting uh, seasons 10 and 11, Letter Kenny, and we were talking, but you were going to go work on a Star Trek project. Now, yes. this thing, it sounded really cool because it, it, it's, what what is it exactly? It's a TV well, show? It, it's called Strange New Worlds. I just did like three days a week on it. They called me when I was in Letter Kenny. Hey, do you want to come down and be boring, just operating? I said, no, it's, it sounds like fun, the air wall. Basically, there's seven sensors on your camera, on each camera. And as you move, they, they can make, so they can make this, it's like a $9 million wall of monitors. And they can basically set it so to look like any set, like an engineering or a planet or, and then you just do a few set pieces in the middle. And when you move your camera, this perspective changes with you. Hmm. I, I suppose it's how they shot a lot of, what was the name of the show, the science fiction show? Um, I don't know, but you, you'd move through it. In other words, mm-hmm. if you move close to the wall, it would seem to move back to make the room endless, things like that. They reside with the dimensions of the room were. So this is for aug- augmented reality. Is this for what, like a 3D environment for an Oculus or yeah, something? Basically, basically, you build the set mm-hmm. with with visuals, and you can adjust the lighting individually. But like the flashing light on a, on a pillar, yeah, you can you can adjust the intensity of that independently through a dim. Wow. it's incredible. Hyper specific ability to just yeah, yeah, what just you fine want. tune the the picture, and then you calibrate. And if you want to do a, another camera, you shoot cross because the background would move. You know, with them with one camera, yeah. So you shoot across it. They'll, they'll see where you see. Make that green to make sure the cover you covered. Then that part of the wall will become your perspective on, which is totally different than the main perspective. That's crazy. So it'll move with your camera. That part of the wall. Wow, it's really trippy. If you're just standing there, <laughs> you're not you're not operating. It's like whoa, the walls are moving. That's like it's like a real life holodeck. Like you walk in the walls. You move the camera head. The walls move ahead of you. Well, when oh, you when cool. when you were first getting into television and film, did you ever think dream that you'd be doing something like that? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> wow. All right. I thought I'd be making tea, driving <laughs> a truck. <laughs> I, I love that idea. That it like I mean, you didn't since how you had any formal background you just you, you fell into it you liked it you mm-hmm. got a, a good in and then you just started to learn and you grew your career from there totally as soon as you think you know everything you're done right. in this business like I, I said if you've ever done this before i would say no but i'm a quick learner mm-hmm. like just yeah. show me once the right way to do it and i will know how to do it forever and that's how i learned which i think is better than going to film school i think it yeah. worked with experienced pros it was done oh, okay this is how you do it you know yeah. and you learn you learn fast or you don't last yeah. And if you want to move up, you not only have to do your job, you have to do your job plus the next level up almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like willing, willing to grow. Director of photography, you know? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in a second. So let's talk Letter Kenny. How, how did you get on Letter Kenny? How did, how, how did they find you? Um, a buddy of mine who was the original DOP, Jim Westenbrink, who, who left the show. I'm not mm-hmm. going to talk about that. Okay. But he was there for the first. And he said, you want to go to Sudbury, do this little show called mm-hmm. Letter Kenny. And it was, I was not doing much. I was just doing some rigging lighting on the expanse and shit, wiring the sets for him. And I said, sure. So I went up north and said, met Jacob and Jared. And I said, day one, like, this show was like really funny. Like, this is going to go places. Like, I'm going to retire on this bloody show. <laughs> <laughs> so you, saw, you saw the vision then. Yeah. Eh? Saw the vision. I've, I've only missed one day because I'm part of one day because I went in sick. So that was one day out of 72 episodes we've shot. Wow. wow. That's fair. It's amazing. So. 
But I just, I ended up staying and then, then they ended up promoting me to being the director of photography for the, the two seasons you haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. But I was a operator up until now. So you'll start to see my work and then we just shot Shorzy in Sudbury. So. Yes. Well, congratulations on congratulations on the promotion. And uh, they've been releasing a lot of stuff on season 10 recently, like a couple of like a teaser and and Hulu just put out today, I think, put out a a trailer, which looks amazing. So already it kind of it already has a different kind of look and feel. So kudos to that. Um, And uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about Shorzy in a second. So but first of all, you've I mean, when we were talking, you said, and, and you, you said you, you talked to Jared and, and Jared said that you should come on, on the podcast because you've yes. been involved in every shot, uh, or mm. you've been present for every shot. So, I mean, yeah. that's amazing. So talk about, let's talk about some of that, like, what, what, you know, season one, um, anything memorable, you know, what, what were some of the memorable moments there? I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it was just all, I try to be technical so they can't make me laugh. Right. No matter what they do, they can't. Kate Travis busted me a couple times, but I try to be. I've tried to not like be technical. Like, yeah, just keep an eye on on the the framing. We try to make it symmetrical. Yeah. And we kind of decided that if we just shoot people, the produce dance could be the most boring show in the world. Like, let's make it so like the world revolves around them. We're sitting there. The world turns behind them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the center of their universe. So we just kind of played with that, and let's you know, let's just not shoot shit that we don't want to shoot. So we can do a lot of pages in a day, like make more time on, on a cool shot. Right. As opposed to like every particular, every camera angle, you know, like 11 coverage that four people are talking, you know, like we mm-hmm. don't need that geography yeah. trumps what's going on, you know? Well, I mean, it's, kind of- and it's definitely got a def- definite look and feel that seems purposeful. And I'm thinking of some shots that recur a lot that a lot of people talk, we've talked about many times on our own podcast, for example, on the back porch with the, with the wood obstructing Mm. their face. It seems like that shot is breaking every single rule in the book. First of all, whose idea was it and, and why? (laughs) Okay. We decided we tried to do a block the first scene on the back porch. We realized we either had to go really high or really low or shoot too flat. I said, why don't I got it was me or Jacob. We're just kind of, we, talk together it's like why don't we just put the bars across their faces and show their eyes like Kilroy like it'd be funny <laughs> we just cut their mouths off so we just they, that sounds like a great edit so we keep repeating it but right. it's, it's a funny <laughs> bit yeah it does break every rule never see their mouths move and most the actors of their mouths are hidden well, I, I, I bet it comes in handy though if you ever have to kind of like cut in a different dialogue from a different scene if, they, oh, if you want an ADR you totally could yeah <laughs> So, so I know, and, and I know you recently took on the DOP role. Can you just, for our listeners' sake, explain what the DOP, a director of photography, does on set? Um, I, from my understanding, you're essentially almost second in command. There's to be Jacob, you know, running the creative side. You're running the camera crew and everything. Is that sort of a fair? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Jacob tells me the feel, or and Jared, whatever. Mainly Jacob tells me the feel they want for a scene or a location, and then my job is to organize the grips and electrics and how to light it and and make it happen. Get the you know, I want the camera to go from here to here. I want you know, yeah. Basically, you're like a I don't know. Someone called me the general manager. I, I have <laughs> kind of a weird analogy, but yeah, you, you're, you're kind of like, ultimately it's your ass on the line. Ultimately mm-hmm. with more responsibility comes more responsibility. Right. right. So yeah. you have to make sure that it's, it's good, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah, it, absolutely. It, it, it's more than good. It, it's really good. Yeah. You know? Well, they've obviously, you've been doing a good job because they rewarded you with, with the DOP position. So that's, that's amazing. 
Yeah, it's cool. I'm trying to think of some other scenes that that the, again, the other one that always oh, the one that always got yeah. me that I love is the um, the barn scene. Mm-hmm. So the wide angle barn scene, you usually got Dan and and, and Daryl sitting on either side, weighing yeah. up on the on the platform, looking down at them, almost like almost yeah. like a dictator looking over, and no, and everyone's looking forward. <laughs> yeah. I love I love it. I think that's such a strong shot. Mm-hmm. And, and like, talk to me about that one. Like, what? It would, I don't know. It just became like would. It just worked symmetrically to have Jared at the top of the of the on the standing up. Super right. <laughs> I never really happened for a reason. I mean, that's that's Jacob, but it just kind of evolved that way. And it's such a great shot. We just kind of stuck with it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and is a lot of these kind of like shot the initial frame thinking is that coming from a, a Jacob or a Jared or is that a collaboration? Like, how do some of these very unique, like you said, rule breaking kind of shots come it, to play? It, it, it's it's organic. I mean, we all talk, you know, but I mean. Sometimes it's Jacob's idea, sometimes it's Jared's idea, sometimes it's my idea. We just, you know, go with the flow. There, there's a great scene in the bar where they all walk out in Modine's too, and they all walk out and they're all heads. And then um, Jimmy Dixon walks out and his head's cut off. Yes. Because right? he's so tall. Yeah, we talked so about that. Cut his fucking head off. I said, and walk out. Yeah, <laughs> you guys really like cutting. Like, hey, yeah, that's yeah. a great idea. You know, yeah. we just kind of screw with things like that. Or yeah. the uh, Canada Goose episode where we finish on their backs on the golf carts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, Jacob said, I don't think we really need to turn on and see the faces. I said, no, you know who the hell they are at this point. Right. It's such a nice job behind them. It's a nice end to the episode with the scenic the beauty and the, the wildlife, why come around to sold faces the same? So, yeah, that was good. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we just, it was just a creative decision. So we just didn't give the editors any coverage from the front. It's like, <laughs> <"Yeah."> <laughs> you know? So how, how, how many of those decisions are made on site or, or are they, cause I, I've, I feel like I've seen like how some directors work. A lot of the shots are, are, are storyboarded and drawn and, and like predetermined. Like is that how? No, we storyboard anything. No, nothing. So you go go on site and then you figure out how to best block the shot. You have an idea. You mm-hmm. have an idea, but yeah. it's very organic. We see something, then Jacob said, "Well, why don't we do this?" Or definitely certain scenes that have ideas how he wants to shoot it. Right. Absolutely. But sometimes he's just like, "Well, this works better." So it's it's not so set in stone. I think it's more creative that way. Or if someone comes up with a funny line. Like Jared will rewrite a line halfway through a scene. He'll say, "Oh, you know, it'd be really funny if he said this." Right. So we just redo that, you yeah. know, like or just change it, change it right then yeah. and there. You know? And we've had a, a, we've had enough of the staff on now to tell us that if they do something funny and and Jared and or Jacob like it, it stays. It it, it yeah yeah, that's amazing. Totally. Now, it's great to because I mean it seems like such a scripted show especially with all the quick fire dialogue so it's nice to hear that there's like opportunity there still for the 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 uh the personality of the actors still to to, to add to that absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely all right i'm gonna uh hit you with some uh, listener questions so we 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 let our our, our listeners on our uh, private dm group know that you were coming on and there was a lot of excitement and they couldn't wait uh and and i said if you have any questions for billy Send them in. So I've got a bunch here. Uh, uh, hopefully they're not too. <laughs> I think I think uh, you should be able to manage most of these. The first one, though, it's a not, it's not a question. It's a comment. Uh, the comment is a good man with a good heart. He knows the shit out of the techie parts of film. You're going to learn a thing or two, boys and ghouls. And that's from someone named Patrick Plywood McNeil. Oh, Plywood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just worked me in as an electric. He's, he's a Northern crew member who also plays one of his kids, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had him on. So uh, he's 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 yeah. a great guy. He's our first cast member guest uh, to great. come on. So uh, he's a technician from up north. Yeah. And yeah. we just kind of threw him in this kid with, with his kids and he's kind of stuck. And then they upgraded him to an actor role. And uh, so yeah. 
And he so genuinely loves and just is so thankful for everything yeah. this show has done for him as well. It's, it was so great to talk to him. So yeah, totally. He's a good guy. He's grown a lot in the last six years, but I've known him. I mean, like I see him, you know, he was a young kid, kind of punky Sudbury, you know? Yeah. And, and now he's like, you know, it's, it's, he's a different guy. You know, mm-hmm. I don't even he's bad before, but he's, he's right. nicer. You know what I mean? He's, <laughs> more, he's more together than he was six years ago. Uh, Does he remind him maybe remind you maybe of yourself at that age? Cause he's now gaffer starting off in the business, maybe trying to get uh, more work or. I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I see a lot of young gaffers. Yeah, yeah. Half the young gaffers are like <laughs> old gaffers now, you know? I've oh yeah. So <laughs> uh, very cool. Uh, also uh, just, Back to your other roles, you did have an acting credit on. Was it The Gate? Was it Forever Night? No, Forever Night. Oh, that's right. So, was yeah, that something? You, was that something you thought about doing acting or no? Well, the director just asked me if I'd like to do a part. Right. <laughs> I just say, "Hey, you should be in this show." Mm-hmm. Um, no, I've, I've thought of it for sure. I used to play the bars in Toronto as a musician, mm-hmm. so I'm not. I'm not opposed to performing on stage or anything. But I mean, I just I, I the techie world is cool behind the camera and. I like it. You know. Very cool. What kind of music did you play? <laughs> What's that? What kind of mu- music did you play? Um, original, all originals, acoustic or rock oriented, like kind of of John Lennon influence. Oh, nice. Maybe a little bit folksy, maybe a little Tom Petty. But I used to play the Cubs in Toronto, the Billy Butcher band, play Lee's Palace and all of that. So That's, that years, actually rings, in another life. That actually know. rings a bell, the Billy Buttry band. I feel like I've seen that on a marquee. Uh, <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, that's amazing. All right, so back to the listener questions. So um, our friend Awesome, she manages the Reddit forums, and so she's got, obviously, questions. <laughs> she First of all, she says, thank you for coming on the podcast. I have some questions that keep repeated, getting repeated on the Letterkenny Reddit. Uh, so first question was, has Letterkenny ever used green screen? No, never, right. never. That's what I, yeah. I know that that's a, a hot button issue from. <laughs> it's so funny. I know people have said it's all oh, the city. The film is a green screen. No, it's never, never, ever been even a foot of green screen on that. Yeah. Right. Nice. It's all through the camera stuff. There you go. So uh, uh, now the next question she has here. Uh, could you please explain how the cine- 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 uh, cinematography has evolved over the past 10 uh, seasons of Letterkenny? Um. I think it's got more subtle. Well, it's hard to talk about till you see the new season, mm-hmm. but it's got more, a little more cinematic as time goes on. I think um, I've definitely noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like the seasons we just shot, we used a better camera Oh yeah. Than, than we have you been using in the past. They're all 4k, but just a better, you know, mm-hmm. for decades out there, area Alexa mm-hmm. mini, which is, you know, a good camera and uh, just kind of, evolved the look it's not so much maybe i'm much in your face not so much comedy in your face as right. much you know great and then last one here from her uh how involved is jared kiso with the behind the camera aspects of making letter kenny very involved it's his baby right if, if, if there's a big question it defers to him mm-hmm. he's the final it, decider he's the final decider and he, even if jacob has a question say jake jared you want this or you want this you know mm-hmm. he's he's the final decider it's his baby i mean yeah, he writes it. He's he, the boss, right? He's he's the boss. Mm-hmm. He's I'm lucky enough to call him my friend, but yeah, yeah. he's uh, he's the boss. That's so you cool. know. amazing. Uh, now, our buddy Trace here had a few questions. He said, "Are there any deep cut homages to classic cinematography on Letterkenny? Uh, have you uh, like thrown in any, any Easter eggs? We're saying, you know, this is a homage to this movie or anything like that, or no? No, not really. No, we kind of no. 
I wouldn't say say so. It's kind of its own its own thing. Mm-hmm. All right. And I mean, you get influenced by shots, you know, like symmetry. We're always big on ABC, always be symmetrical. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> Actually, well, that, the, the, or go ahead, Matt. I was saying, what was the uh, the episode where Shorzy takes the shot on the ankles? And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we assumed awesome. that that was a throwback to what the 72 Summit Series. Well, that that's not so much. Bobby Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never thought of it. Yeah, kind of a little bit. Well, that, yeah, the, the look of that AJ scene, not, not yeah, not so yeah. much the look of that scene, but the, the whole element of, of the, you know, t- taking the cheap shot for the team to win. But there are some yeah. scenes like, uh, like in the, um, uh, season 10 trailer there's a few like very dramatic looking scenes of shorzy skating by himself on the ice that kind of bring yeah. to mind like old like uh forever young or, or some of those like old hockey uh you know yeah yeah i guess yeah but i guess i mean it's the same subject matter right so there's not there are only so many different things you could do with a scene like that yeah i guess so the idea why well, i think you said contract he was bag skating right mm-hmm. so ice back and forth yeah, yeah. Very cool. Uh, now another question from Trace. When you block a shot for a slow-mo scene, and there's a lot of that in this. Uh, yeah, there is. Is it just shot normally, or does the fact you know it'll be slow-mo later affect how you shoot it? It's a good question, I think. Usually, uh, I would like to set so I can jump to 60 frames if they want to, because they are notorious for just all of a sudden, let's go 60 frames here. Or, or point, I shouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. Generally, I know going into a scene if there's 60 frames. Okay. So I will know. So if you're lighting or Camera operating is the same thing. Lighting, and you just try and build in the stop, so you know you have enough light for your lenses to go to lose a stop in a third of of, of stop and still be within the range of your lens. Because that's what you lose going to sixty frames as opposed to at three twenty three point nine seven six or well, twenty four frames. But okay. you just go twenty three point nine seven. So basically, the idea there is if you're at twenty three or twenty four frames a second and you slow it down, it's choppy. So that's why you got to go to sixty frames a second so that yeah, it's more so smooth. It, it falls apart visually very right. Fast. Yeah. And, and, okay, so you just kind of default to, to 60 frames a second when, when you think when there's might be yeah. like, does it say in the script this is going to be slow mo or is this another decision down on the call sheet or yeah. sometimes it's in the script mm-hmm. or sometimes it's just a decision that's made that like, we're just going to a scene and say, hey, do you want to do slow motion here? You know, like as a, just a heads up for me because I don't remember every single bit of every single day when you film mm-hmm. so much, but because we block shoot a lot of episodes, you know, right? So your call sheet has generally got a note on it, slow mo, um, things mm-hmm. like that. Interesting. Uh, and last one from Trace. Uh, what shot did did you uh, are you proudest of? Do you th- can you think of a shot that you're m- most proud of so far? No, no. not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I'll, let me. What's your most it. memorable? Any, yeah, memorable or favorite uh, setup to work with. Whether it's the whether it's Modine's or it's Skid's basement or outside. I, at the I used to love. The, I, I love the Skid's basement. I remember doing a shot where I was on a dolly track and I was, and we started dolling towards uh, the skid, head skid Tyler. Mm-hmm. And as we get towards him, we push into zoom at the same time. So it was like invisible. This was like you're dolling. And we end up like in a close up of like his eyeballs from seeing like, the whole room. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. Okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Um, now, Adrian, uh, another friend of ours, hardest scenes to shoot uh, and like where you've had to use some like inventive uh, troubleshooting. don't really know i mean every there's a solution for everything isn't there i mean mm-hmm. the social just problem is just opportunities but <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is it difficult to uh shoot like the snowy scenes like the 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 lighting and stuff with with all the snow and the glare 
No, not really. Those aren't difficult. It's just cold. You got to dress warm. But no, not, <laughs> you just have to remember that there's white snow on the ground. So mm-hmm. you have to be aware of that fact that, you know, backlight's going to kick more, things like that. But yeah. there are going to be filled more in their eyes because they're, they're walking on white. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a little different lighting, mm-hmm. but not really that much. It just just bloody warm, you know. I just came home from Sudbury with like minus twenty, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, terrible! <laughs> it's just for it, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and even, even even recording, but I mean, do, doing shooting between the indoor scenes and the outdoor scenes. Do do you when you're doing? There's a lot of outdoor stuff, and weather can change very fast. So. How does that impact your day to day, especially in Sudbury, the cold weather, sun's out, it's overcast. Uh, it's- you just don't take your lenses from warm to warm to cold very mm. fast because they'll fog up. Right. You have yeah. to get them to breathe out to come climatize. But as far as you know, you you'll block shoot night scenes. Like we have a lot more night scenes in the new show than we do in Lettercan night nighttime exteriors. Mm-hmm. Um, you just dress for it, really, and you mm-hmm. just keep the camera climatized to the temperature of where you are. It's more of the lenses because they will fog on you. If you mm. if you're cold, really cold, and you take them somewhere warm, you better have some time to wait. Or you better take the lens you think you'll need first inside inside early to let it climatize so it doesn't mm. fog on. Right. There was a, a season that um, a, a lot of um, scenes were all the egg haul. Um, was that because the weather was just so terrible outside, or or was that on? No, per- no, that was that was all script. We don't avoid the outside because of the oh, weather. Okay. Never. Or, or yeah. even the crack and egg season. Where those yeah. kind of took the place of the, the produce stand shots instead, right? Yeah, that was winter. Mm-hmm. That that was that was the reason in that. But they were, I think we shot all that stuff in like two days. All the all, interior. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> the egg or something. It was not a lot of time. Could be just yeah. block shot everything, right? Mm. Yeah. It uh, sounds like you guys are pretty efficient on set. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we move. <laughs> We move. We do more pages than most people think is humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And everyone who's come on the show has said that same thing. They, they've all told us that you guys just fly through pages and uh, we eat through them because you know Jacob expects the actors to ride prepared. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't know your lines, he'll call you on it, which I think is very fair. Mm-hmm. And so they will be back at the hotel running the lines, and they come in ready to go. And if we only have to, do, uh, you know, a couple takes, then it definitely speeds things up. You know. Now, and yes, so, uh, take more takes. You were doing yeah. more complicated, but mm-hmm. you know, generally try and get it done a huge amount of takes. Like, it doesn't get funnier on take nine. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I've worked with directors to do that. Oh, let's do it. Let's go again. Let's go again. It's take 15. What's well, nothing's changed, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are so many scenes that are either difficult with the 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 wording, like the, how fast, quick paced everything is, or just the pure funny, like the the hilarity of it all. Like, how does everyone keep it together? <laughs> like there, like sometimes it just seems like you must go through so many shots so everybody just keeps it together long enough so that you can get what you need. You just can't laugh during take, especially if you're the camera operator yeah. sitting there the models with the director. You just you can't laugh. You have to hold it. You, you can't you can't ruin the take. Yeah. 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 I I, I tried to ask I asked this question of Kay Trevor when he was on, but I, it didn't come out right. But basically, have, were you ever in, in danger of losing a day, like losing daylight? Because people kept on cracking and, and like, we got to get this take in. The or actors. Yeah. yeah. The actors. Yeah. Yeah. Not because they're cracking, but yeah, we've, we've fought daylight. I was yeah. every show in the world has, but yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes you, you spend too long earlier in the day, you, you're going over and you're running into that. I call it scrimming the light every 10 seconds, the end of the day to try and balance the levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, you always run into that. That's, that's the one nice thing about shooting night is that you don't have to worry about that. The right. Doesn't yeah. 
Yeah. The sun comes up. So you got all night. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, and, and sorry, Al, before we mm-hmm. pivot away from this topic, I, I want to quickly talk about COVID for a second. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, you obviously, everything went on hold for a while. Then you you you, you ramped back up and did 10, 11, and recently in Shorzy. But I mean, you guys are a tight crew, efficient crew, but with all the COVID protocols and I mean, your responsibilities now with, with basically running the crew, like how has that impacted shoot timeframes and, and scheduling and all that? Like, is that a whole new component that's, throwing a big wrench into it all or have you guys quickly adapted well with our union i mean with the camera union we had we get tested three times a week i get a swab up and those three times a week for a year oh. and a half i yeah. mean I just it doesn't matter of fact um to work on shores you had to prove proof of vaccine full proof mm-hmm. of vaccine um before then we have a whole new department now it just runs just takes tests and you know wow. you have to check in every morning that you're feeling okay and so we've added a health department to the production wow. kind of thing wow. department Crazy. Which is the same on most shows. Like now, you cannot work unless you're tested. They will not let you near a set near the actors unless you've been tested within the last 48 hours. Jesus, the world we live in now, eh? Wow. Crazy. What are the, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but now they're going on the road with with the Letter Kenny live. Yeah. What, I mean, what are the restrictions there? Do you know? Or is it? I do not, I do not know about that. I was asking Jared about that the other day. I asked, Mm -hmm. well, you, we're mostly going to do the states because Canada's they've done they were basically going to finish the tour they started before before yeah. COVID. Yeah, I mean I got COVID. I was terrible. Oh, May wow. twenty I had it. It was fucking brutal. Hmm. But uh, so so I think they're picking up a lot of lot of uh, American dates. You know, I don't because yeah, because I mean down in the states they're not treating it the same. <laughs> Right. So I'm was wondering, like, for example, uh, last month, uh, Dylan Playfair and uh, who else is uh, oh, Tyler and um, Daly were at a, in, in, was it in Minnesota or Michigan? They were at a Comic Con of some kind and they were taking they were taking pictures with with fans and like there's no mask in sight. Uh, so like, you know, I wonder how, what um, I know they're treating it differently down there, but because they're on the cast. There must be some kind of expectations of, for, to them to to be. I, you know. I I don't know about that end of it. I mean, that's that's more Kara's end of it. <laughs> yeah, right. Bit. Okay, fair enough. And not and, and Shorts is a total new cast, so those guys won't be back until oh. we shoot the next round of Letter Kenny. There you go. So the yeah, yeah. good point there. Uh, let's see another question from Adrian. He's just talking about Letter Kenny, uh, the town of Letter Kenny, as a character, um, and is that is that kind of conscious? What I noticed, especially in the last uh, season, season nine. There was a lot more, there was a, especially in the sleepover episode, we'd never seen this before, but kind of a montage of scenes of Sudbury as Letterkenny at night. Now, is that yeah. like, that felt very different from before. Is that something yeah. you guys are being more conscious about too? I, I would have shot those because I, I would have been the camera, but I would run off a new second unit at the yeah. time. Yeah, because we originally shot, I shot stuff with a farm, like the barn, the sun coming up and mm-hmm. things like that. And, and then we just thought we'd like to have some Sudbury shots. So we just bring it a little more into Sudbury. You know, I guess it just happened that way. And then they liked the shots. So they shot a bunch of things and they used chunks of them. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's cool. Uh, MJ Bonelli, he, uh, speaking of shooting in Sudbury as the, the uh, show increases in popularity, what are the challenges of shooting in a place like Sudbury? Do you get a lot of interruptions, a lot of fans showing up? Um, we don't advertise it on, on signboards as that or Kenny. Right. But every, um, well, not everyone, but I mean, the people who need to know will probably f- be able to figure out where the farmhouse is, for example. We've had people figure out from way out in Southern Ontario and show up at the farm and they found out where the farm was and showed up. They drove like three hours to show up at the farm. We happened to be filming there, which is not that often. Right. 
And I said, they come on. I said, well, we can't actually drive on because I'm about to shoot snow shots at the front gate and stuff. We uh, shoot them yeah. off very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we didn't, uh, yeah. You say we sick the, Call the them dogs spare on parts them. and yeah. send them on their way. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's become a little tighter since COVID, obviously. People right. Right. can't yeah. really wander on the set. I'm sorry. Even people's spouses from the crew can't really come on set because they're yeah. not yeah. on the current testing regimen, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fair enough. Our buddy Steven asks, who does, who laughs the most? So, or sorry, who who do you laugh at the most? Who do you find the funniest on the, on the, uh, uh, on the set? <sighs> they're all funny. Uh, they're all funny <laughs> in different ways. I mean, Kate has cracked me twice. Mm-hmm. Um, this ad libs and the way you'll say things. Right. And, but they all make me chuckle and, and I read the scripts, but it's usually with an ad lib gets thrown in or something. Yeah. And I try like I purposely don't wear sound cans. I watch the visuals, even as director photography, because I, if you listen to the sound, it's tougher to keep a straight face. Right. If I'm being scientific about watching the visuals, I hear what they're yeah. saying, but I try not to concentrate on that. Right. Then I don't crack. Interesting. Mm, yeah. Nice. And who breaks the easiest on the cast? I don't know. I mean, that's a tough one. I feel yeah. like I heard somewhere that uh, the the person who breaks the least is uh, is Lisa, Lisa Codrington. Like, no one can break her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Lisa is hilarious. She makes all that shit up. Like, yeah. Her body from yeah, she'll, <laughs> she's unbelievable. She's so talented. And, and, and the skins sometimes, too. Like, the two of them, they'll just crack you because they make their own bits up. And they have very physical comedy. And they yeah. you don't know what they're going to oh do. My. You you don't have any idea, and every take is totally different. Yeah, I was going to say how it's how hard it is it. Let them go, you know. How hard is it to block for the for the skids? Because a lot of their stuff is physical. We're over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't leave this square. Basically. Yeah. Basically, no, that they will leave the square. Yeah. The one time on the his legs or something. You know? Oh man. <laughs> it's just kind of. It's fun. It's all fun. Yeah, yeah. But you guys have learned to I'm use that to your advantage. You guys are over here. Yeah. You know. That's amazing. Uh, I, I love this question from from Stephen. He he wants to ask the Ted Lasso question. First concert, favorite concert. <clears throat> First concert, the Who Exhibition Stadium. Wow, 1978, seventy two thousand people at camped out for tickets. That's a hell of a concert. That's amazing. Yeah. And your favorite was that the same? No, Stevie Ray Vaughan at Massey Hall in Toronto. Oh, that would be a great venue for that. It was unbelievable. The sound was like wow, closest thing you'll ever come to see in Jimi Hendrix. Wow. Wow. Excellent. Yeah. Massey Hall. I mean, we've seen a couple of shows there and and Mm -hmm. just the sound. And I can't, I can't wait to go now after the reno. It's going to be from all accounts. It's, it's amazing. Oh, I'm sure it is. It was sounded great before. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see here. Our buddy, Justin, how has he, have you seen the show evolve with, uh, you know, cinematography wise? I mean, you kind of already covered that, Um, but how involved are Jacob and Jared in getting specific shots that they want? You kind of covered that as well. Um, Do they allow you to have any create uh, creative direction with, with the shots? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like it's a very kind of uh, you, you guys work together and 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 there's a lot of res- mutual respect there when it comes to the creative. There has, there has to be. That's yeah. what makes it work. Right. If someone has a great idea, then I don't care if it's the fourth grip or the third AD. Then that's a great idea. We tell them that's a great idea. We yeah. don't. There's none of this ego. Like I'm the boss. And I, no, that's a terrible. And turn around and say that's your idea. It's two minutes later. That doesn't yeah. happen this show that's good that's good i mean i talk about that i mean the relationships on set i mean we get the vibe it's it's a it's a relatively small crew all in i believe uh you guys all seem to be very tight um like like can you talk a bit about some of the relationships and some of the moments you guys have had when you're not shooting yeah oh god (laughs) 
<laughs> season one, we always still call it going all season one. Season one, we were all staying in the travel lodge in Sudbury. The production office, Jared, Jacob, everybody was, the crew was, everybody from, who was from out of town was staying in the travel lodge in Sudbury. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, we still call it going into bed on it going all season one. <laughs> it was a crazy <laughs> nonstop party season one. You know. And who parties the hardest? Oh my God. I think everybody can hold their, pull their weight. <laughs> <laughs> kind of comes with the territory. Eh? Kind of comes with the territory. And no recording devices are allowed, right? Exactly. Yeah. We're just carnies with a dental plan, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I think this is public domain because you tweeted it out, but I did see a picture of you with a broken finger. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm the only I'm the only letter county person to ever get in a fight in a bar in Sudbury. <laughs> I love it. Shape. I love it. That's a <laughs> story. On a Sudbury Saturday night. <laughs> I got in a fight, fist fight <laughs> in a bar. And I, and I took the, the, the hockey boys were outside and we're outside and I'm all bleeding. What happened? It left you 30 seconds ago. Oh, long story. So <laughs> not that long. It says 30 seconds ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> you met the guys from upcountry. <laughs> so eh? I went to work. On, so I had to call in work. I sort of straightened it on a glass window myself. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. And then I, I wrapped it up in a towel because everybody said, you should go to the hospital because the guy's teeth were embedded in my hand. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, OK, no, I'm not going to go to the hospital at two o'clock in the morning at Sudbury on a Saturday night. Like, I may be, I'd be there till morning. God knows what I'd see. So I taped up in a towel so I wouldn't bleed all over my hotel bed and went to bed and got up early Sunday morning and went to the hospital. And I, they wanted to re-see it on Monday morning. So I went into work like two hours late because oh, they knew where I was. And Jared just started a slow clap as I walked. <laughs> Amazing. Was, well, was there a toughest guy in Sudbury joke in there somewhere? <laughs> oh, lots of jokes. Though. Don't touch his beer. He'll kill you. you know? Oh, that's funny. Uh, the picture that you tweeted out is, is of you holding your hand up, showing the cast and Jared's standing beside you. And he looks like he's pr- like a proud dad. Cause yeah, yeah. <laughs> cause you, you want to fight in a bar. And you, like you said, you're the only letter Kenny cast. Guy. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah. Last question from Justin. How big is the team for the show? Is it a min- minimalist approach or do you have like a large crew, uh, you know, for production crew? Like how big is it? Um, we're, we're considered a tier, tier A show now. Mm-hmm. Um, you have like four five full-time electrics, five full-time grips, um, you know, multiple hair, makeup people, and then costumes. No, we're a full show now. We're not like a big show, like a big feature in toronto like suicide mm-hmm. squad or something you know right like, but it's 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 kept to a, try to keep to a minimum we always joke with the little show that could then did you know mm-hmm. yeah but it, it, it grows as time goes on you know it's also a pretty good sized ensemble cast i mean compared to some other oh, comedies anyway absolutely absolutely big ensemble cast mm-hmm. you know a lot of recurring characters yeah uh was there a bit of a growth in the show when uh when hulu when hulu picked you up in the u.s was there any noticeable change then? No, not really. Okay. We, we just went about business the same way. Yeah. All right. Other than the breakaway glass. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> the, the budget. <laughs> the breakaway bottle budget went up. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, all right. <laughs> Throwback. <laughs> let's let's talk Shorzy for a second here. So you guys just wrapped up the first season of Shorzy. Uh, you great. got home yesterday or today? Yesterday. Yesterday. What can you tell us, if anything, about this new show? It's actually set in Sudbury. Okay. Is, um, oh, I can't okay. talk a lot about it, obvious for obvious yeah, reasons. Sure. Right. Yep. I mean, Shorzy moves moves to Sudbury, mm-hmm. and 
plays hockey. That's about all I can tell you. That's all you can say. All right. That's good. Now, because I don't want to get, you know. No, no. We don't want to get you in trouble. So whatever you can tell us, that's great. And and we'll take it. It's very funny. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's it's, it's different than Letterkenny. It's it's very, I mean, they're both very funny, but it's funny in a different way. (laughs) uh, And it looks like they're they're trying to build their own ensemble cast because they're other than Shorzy, yeah, whole new yeah, cast, right? Whole new cast, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you? I don't even know if maybe you came to answer this. Stylistically, does it mirror some of the Letterkenny style, or is it a, no. or is it a standalone? It totally standalone. All right, it cool. does not look like Letterkenny. Really? Nice. Wow. There's a yeah. lot of excitement on it. Yeah, everyone can't yeah. wait. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, you, there was always two, three, nine to one widescreen. Number one. Mm-hmm. Um, so a different format. We're shooting on the Alexa Mini LF, which is large format cameras. It's a better camera, mm-hmm. yeah. brand new lenses, Zeiss brand new Zeiss lenses, Supremes. Um, just more. It's it's gonna look different. It mm-hmm. just okay. it doesn't, doesn't look the same. You, awesome. you, you will see the difference immediately. Nice. You know? Nice. Well, we can't wait. And that's yeah. come. That, I think uh, they said that was going to come out in the spring, right? Spring 2022. Yeah, sometime in the spring. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're looking forward to that. And that the timing works out well for us because we'll be able to go from Letterkenny season 10 into Shorzy season one. And then I guess you can't tell us about Letterkenny season 11 when that might be can't scheduled. Talk about it. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we shot it. I had to try it. No, we, we know <laughs> you, yeah, we know you shot it. But oh, or what about talks then about further seasons? Anything? Uh, yeah, there's 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 a lot of talk about going carrying on yeah nice well i think in an interview a while ago kiso said he he could continue making letter kenny as long as they let him right so yeah, totally yeah totally uh, totally uh, he likes he likes letter kenny yeah shorty's kind of his baby right now mm-hmm. but letter kenny's in you know there's his love i mean that's what's got him going you know it's, yeah. it's a bunch of show so it's you can write for one then the other and just, they're different they're different birds you know yeah yeah just, just really quickly for our own uh, selfish needs. Do, do you know has Kiso ever listened to this podcast? I don't know. Oh, yeah, he doesn't use social media. <laughs> All right, fair enough. We know that. <laughs> we know that. We're trying to get a hold of him. He won't. Uh... Yeah. We thought we were close with Trevor Risk, but then yeah. uh, he shut the door on us there no, too. Can, he's a private person like me. I don't. You know, I, I tweet him anytime or you know text him anytime about shit, but we don't. He's not a public person. Well, I get it because people recognize him now, and sure. you know, just absolutely. Know. Well, we appreciate that you came on yeah. being a public, oh, uh, being a private person, because uh, this has been a great talk. Uh, Matt, did you want to ask him your question? Oh yeah, the one I ask everyone. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> with Letter Kenny, I mean, it's come a long way. You've been there since day one. Yeah. Um, is speak about the experience in terms of. What does it mean to you as a, as a Canadian, as a, as a person in the industry working in what's now become such an iconic um, cult following of a Canadian show? Like it's really just taken off oh, worldwide. And what does it feel like to be a part of something that I would call really special? It's cool. It's it's when I go up north for a couple of months at a time, my wife says, oh, you're going to summer camp, aren't you? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, like it is really cool. I'll wear some swag, just crew swag and going to the liquor store and they're all like, Oh my God, you work in Letterkenny. You know, what do you do? And it's amazing the, the recognizability back. And you hear people saying lines to you, and it's like, mm-hmm. that's funny, you know? Like, yeah. how are you now? You know, not so bad news, you know? <laughs> And do you do that? I mean, we all do it. I actually, so I work in an office, but I will try to incorporate some of the lines into just meetings. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll say, like, pitter patter, or someone will tell me something. I'm like, oh, let me just let that marinate. Um, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll try to in, in, or connect them into my daily life. Yeah. Do you do it being around it so much just naturally now? Like, is it influenced even your own dialogue? 
Not so much. Well, okay. not so much. I mean, I mean, things we say sometimes end up in future episodes of shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, but um, that's a, so that's a good point. Are you guys careful what you say just in case something does end up like something embarrassing ends up? You know, I'm surprised we haven't had anybody break their finger in a bar fight yet. You know. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I know that was never come up. <laughs> <laughs> that's a doctor. Oh, lefty, hey. Eh? <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> uh, all right. So, I mean, th- again, Billy, thank you so much for coming on. We, we could do this another hour and talk, just talking about all the other shows you've been part of. This is definitely like potentially a two-parter. So we'd love to have you back one day. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a shout. Maybe when that yeah. uh, short, when Chorzy uh, comes out, maybe we can do something after that. Just so sure, that sounds good. That, that sounds like a deal. When Shorzy comes out, I can talk about it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So that, yeah, it yeah. sounds like it'd be fun. Um, thank you so much for today. Also, no uh, I'd like to invite you, uh, if you're around next uh, uh, Thursday, uh, we're having our Ag Hall Social, which is basically uh, what we're doing now, but we're going to have all our listeners join us as well. And, uh, the, you know, if, if you'd like to join, I can send you the link and you can join and they'd be pl- pleased as punch to, to be able to ask well, you questions. Send me the link and we'll see what I'm up to next yeah. Thursday. Yeah, Absolutely. perfect. That's all we can ask for. Yeah, thank and you. Yeah, I mean, I'll, and I'll add to thank you so much, Billy. Like mm-hmm. this was, I, I was, I was even saying now before this, before this, this was one of the ones I was most looking forward to. I mean, I originally started some micro path down the television path. It didn't work out for me. It's fine. Yeah. Priorities change, but the techno side, I'm so fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm so just in love with how you guys have put this show together. Um, so thank you for what you do. We all sit back and enjoy it. And mm-hmm. we keep you hope you guys keep doing it for a yes. long time. Yes. Uh, oh, me too, actually. Yeah, Cause then we can keep, keep the podcast going. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a good deal. Yeah. There you go. Um, any further, do you have any final comments? No, it was absolutely a pleasure to meet you. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you so much again. Like the, the guys have said, it was uh, so, so much fun to, to hear all your stories and uh, get a little bit more insight on, on the background of, of mm-hmm. letter Kenny and stuff yeah. and happy holidays to you. That's yeah. uh, you. coming up yes. too. So yeah. Enjoy absolutely. your, your family. Downtime. Oh, I'm, home. I'm just going to sit down and crack myself a cold one. And very yeah, good. What's uh, what's next for you? Do you have, do you have your next job lined up yet or no? No, thankfully, no, no, I haven't agreed to anything. <laughs> other than other than I'll be there when Letter Kennedy Shorzy goes again. But um, yeah, no, no, other than that, I have no plans. So my phone will ring. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm, yeah, my phone rings and hey, do you want to come work? Do you want to come play? Usually they say. Cool. So love it that way. You know. Well, you can just enjoy your time off now, then, right? That's what I plan on doing for the next uh, month. Just because I also you know. saw that you're a new grandfather. Yeah, well, yeah, I have two grandkids. Yeah, that's oh, amazing. congratulations! Yeah, congrats, that's amazing. Yeah, I know. Excellent. How do you ever see them? This is the cold here. <laughs> I've seen them like twice. Oh, yeah, so. that's 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 tough, eh? Uh, are they in the in Toronto? Yeah, north north part of Toronto. Mm-hmm. My daughter's kids, and then my son is also is Renee. He's a uh, he's seven three, like I uh, like lighting guy. Mm-hmm. He's nice. a lighting guy now, oh, he's so. in the in the business too. That's he's great. in the business. Too, yeah. yeah, following in dad's footsteps, eh? He hopes. <laughs> Amazing. All right. I'm going to play us off here with a song from uh, one of my favorite songs from the show from, I think, season one. That's it. That's all from uh, by We Are the City. We'll uh, just uh, let this uh, spool up here real quick. No, there we go. That's all we have for this episode. Billy, thank you again for joining us tonight. Is there anything you want to promote or where can people find you online? Um, I'm just, I'm being anonymous. 
you know, find me on Twitter. You know, <laughs> that's what the only social media I do. You like to keep things low key. That's awesome. I like to keep low things low key. Awesome. Except social distancing before it became popular. <laughs> we spent all day being asked questions about people life. Oh my, just Great. Well, enjoy your time off. Don't forget to give our sponsor, Diabolical Coffee, some love. They are at diabolicalcoffee.com. Right now, you can use the promo code PRODUCESTAND for 10% off any purchase from their site. If you'd like to support the podcast, rate us on iTunes or become a patron. There's a Patreon link on our site or Twitter profile at Pod. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Pod. Thank you for joining us. Now we're going to go have a beer with our new buddy, Billy. And uh, on behalf of Billy, Matt, Tanya, and myself, thank you for listening and have a great week. I hit the post.